Chapter thirty three of The Peril Finders by George Fenn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Anna Simon. Chapter thirty three The Water Search. Certainly not, cried the doctor. We must explore this place, but it looks so fresh that most likely we shall find a tribe of Indians living here still. Nay, said Griggs shaking his head as his keen eyes wandered from place to place along the vast opening. Indians who lived here must have had horses for going about, and there isn't a sign of one anywhere. Besides, if there had been any Indians, we should have had some of them showing. The fighting men might be away, but there'd be their wives and papooses skulking here and there. Yes, a city of the dead, said the doctor, sweeping the sides of the amphitheatre with his glass. Not a sign of life, but some marmot-like animals yonder. And, as far as I know, there are no Indians who build or carve out such houses as these living now, except the Puebla Indians. Well, this is a discovery, indeed. We're bound to find some interesting relics here, if other travellers have not been beforehand with us. "'Then we shall camp here for a day or two, father?' cried Chris eagerly. "'Let's ride on to the end, and see if there's a way out yonder.' "'Yes, it will be as well,' said the doctor, "'and at the same time we can select our camp. "'But the first thing is to find water. "'If there is none, we must go back to that torrent where the gold was found.' "'And make some excursions here,' said Wilton. "'Must be water somewhere here, sir,' said Griggs uneasily. "'There must have been a strong tribe living here at some time, "'hundreds of them, perhaps, and they couldn't live without drinking.' There was a desolate look about the newly discovered city, but the bottom between the vast walls was every here and there verdant with grass and shrub, while the walls themselves were dotted with the growth of ages. Bushes were everywhere, while in every crack and cleft trees had taken root, some being of a pendant growth, spreading graceful boughs which waved in the soft wind that from time to time swept through the great depression. "'Let's leave the mules to browse here,' said the doctor." "'There's enough of this short bush to keep them together while we ride on and explore, "'for I think we may make sure that we have the place to ourselves.' "'I won't say yes to that yet, sir,' said Griggs dryly. "'Not till we've had a good look round. "'And first thing I've got to say is, where's snakes?' "'What?' cried the boys, in a breath. "'Where's snakes, as aforesaid, neighbours?' repeated the American." You may depend upon it, some of those gentlemen came creeping or tumbling down from the flats above, found the premises convenient, and are living with large families up in some of these houses. These words had a strange effect upon the listeners. It was as if all the interest in the place had been crashed out. All desire to explore the wonders of this old city of the past had died away on the instant. As for the boys, their adventures in the desert came back and clearly standing out with the creeping and writhing poisonous reptiles whose stroke meant a horrible death, lurking ready for them wherever they turned, and a shudder ran through them as if they had just been swept by some icy wind. Then the doctor spoke. "'That's a horrible notion of yours, Griggs,' he said. "'But after all, it's only a guess. There may not be a reptile here.' "'So much the better for us, sir,' cried the American cheerily. But all the same, I say it once more. Where's snakes? Yes. You all have a shot cartridge ready? said the doctor. Yes, came back. One word, and everybody unslung his double piece. 
"'The mules,' said the doctor then. "'We must not have them bitten.' "'They'll be pretty safe where they're grazing,' said Griggs coolly. "'Rattlesnakes don't care for places like that. "'It's in the stony, sandy bits where they can get the full heat of the sun "'that there is most risk.' "'Yes,' said the doctor, thoughtfully. "'Perhaps we might leave them as they are.' "'And pick our way slowly and carefully, doctor. Shall I go first? "'I don't like setting you always where there is most danger,' replied the doctor. "'None for me here,' replied Griggs. "'It's my poor Mustang who has to run the risk, but I'll try and save him all I can.' "'How?' "'Well, I've a sort of idea that I can manage it this way,' replied the American." re-slinging his rifle and taking out his strong, keen-edged hunting-knife after dismounting and throwing his rein upon the ground over his pony's head. The sturdy little creature stood gazing at it, as if full of the belief that the rein held it fast to a peg driven firmly into the ground, and never attempting to move, while its master stepped to a clump of young fir-trees, selecting a sapling about a dozen feet high and cutting it off close to the ground. This done, he proceeded quickly to lop off all the horizontal branches close to the stem, clearing them quickly away all but the thick top, where he left a tuft, and, on finishing, had provided himself with a rough lance, whose green brush-like top furnished him with the weapon of offence and defence with which he intended to protect his pony. "'What are you going to do?' asked Triss, who had been watching him intently. "'You come next and see,' was the reply. "'Now, gentlemen,' "'I'll lead. Please follow in single file.' Griggs sent his pony forward at a walk towards the far end of the amphitheatre, holding the fur-pole well-balanced and low down in front, while, rising in his stirrups, he bent forward, lancer-like, keeping his eyes fixed upon the ground before him, over which he guided his mount. In this way he advanced, still keeping at a walk, avoiding every dangerous-looking spot, keeping to the open, and wherever there was the possibility of a lurking enemy being at hand, the tuft at the point of the pole was lowered to the ground and used as a beater to drive out any reptile that might be there. At the commencement the mustang seemed disposed to start and shy, but a few soothing words calmed it, and as if divining the object in view, it stepped out finally, only uttering a snort or two when the green head of the spear was thrustled about, the snort sounding as if given to help scare any danger away. "'Don't seem to be any, Griggs,' said Chris. "'Not yet, my lad,' was the reply. "'You see, I'm picking out the least likely bits, but one never knows.' "'There goes one!' shouted Chris the next moment, and he raised his piece to his shoulder. "'Don't fire. He's got well into cover,' cried Griggs. "'It was a snake, but I don't think it was a rattler, for he didn't talk with his tail.' "'No, I didn't hear him rattle. Why did you tell me not to fire?' "'Because you wouldn't have hit the brute, only wasted a cartridge.' There had been no check, and they rode slowly on and on till the end of the depression had been reached, Griggs' plan resulting in starting off altogether five dangerous-looking serpents from the spots where they lay ready to scuttle in amongst the growth at the first movement of the extemporized weapon— the last of the fleeing reptiles proving its dangerous nature as it hurried away by giving off a harsh, dull, rattling sound with its quivering tail. A careful examination was made to the left without effect, and another to the right, but everywhere they were faced by the precipitous wall of cliff, carved out and terraced, 
and here and there offering facilities for climbing up more or less high, the stones from above having fallen from the weakening and decay of time till a glacis-like slope had been formed. But after the reptiles had been startled in the less likely places, there was no present temptation for ascending the stony slopes, bathed in the hot sunshine and looking thoroughly suited for the home of the dangerous creatures. This exploration of the lower part of the amphitheatre, ravine or depression, tempted farther search, the party riding on, and after examining cautiously the sides, visiting the upper portion near the zigzag gorge by which they had entered, but only to find that there was no other means of access to the city unless by a descent from the tableland in which the place seemed to be formed. "'And snakes seem to be the only inhabitants,' said Chris to his companion. "'Why, Griggs, we can't stop here.' "'Not unless we can find water.' said the American. "'And not even then,' replied the boy, "'with the risk of getting bitten. "'If there are no more than we started, "'we're not going to give up for that,' said Griggs coolly. "'Why, they're quite scarce.' "'But we haven't been upward on those terraces. "'They may be swarming there,' cried Chris. "'Yes, and there may be none. "'We don't want to go up there today. "'What we want is water. "'Now, where is it?' "'Nowhere, seemingly.' "'Oh, that notion won't do,' said the American. "'Here, it's plain enough that once upon a time this was a big place with no end of people living in it.' "'Yes, so my father thought.' "'Very well, then. I dare say it was just such a dry, hot place as it is now, and they must have had water close at hand, or they wouldn't have settled here.' "'They got it out of the gully through which we came.' "'No, that won't do,' cried Criggs. "'This was the old people's stronghold,' where they could be safe and set all their enemies at defiance. Everything points to that, don't it?' "'I think so,' said Chris grudgingly. "'Well, then, it isn't likely that they would depend on a fall of water from which the first enemies who attacked them could cut them off and leave them to die of thirst.' "'I never thought of that,' said Chris, as separated now from the rest they allowed their ponies to pace slowly on nibbling off such juicy shoots as came in their way. "'It isn't likely,' said Criggs. "'There must be water somewhere. A fine fall that comes down from the plain up above, or they wouldn't have chosen this spot.' "'Perhaps there used to be one, and it has dried up.' "'Nay, the place is too green. Water must come on the high ground somewhere and find its way into this great hollow. Anyhow, it's out of sight, so it's underneath somewhere.' "'Then we shan't find it.' "'I don't know about that, my lad,' replied the American, with a little laugh. "'There's other senses besides seeing.' "'Yes, smelling,' said Chris, with a smile. "'But we can't find it that way.' "'Don't you be in too great a hurry, my lad. We're going to have another good hunt round at the bottom of these great cliffs, and if that comes to nothing, we might try smelling.' "'Ah! Nothing but a dog would be any use there.' "'In a hurry again, boy. I'd back something else to find water before a dog.' "'A fish on dry land?' "'Tch, no. What was it found the lake for us the other day?' "'The mule!' cried Chris. "'Got it again,' said Griggs, laughing. "'I don't say he would, but I shouldn't at all wonder if we brought old Skeeter round, as like as not he'd smell out the place.' "'Buried under some of these great stone slides that have come down.' "'To be sure, my lad. Now, that's a likely place.' 
Griggs pointed to a huge gap in the cliff away to their right, where the carved-out openings running along behind a rough terrace a hundred feet up the vast wall suddenly ceased as if broken off, and commenced again at about the same height on the other side of the gap. "'Let's go and look, then,' said Chris. "'But it doesn't seem very likely, for it's all one bank of piled-up stones. "'That have run down from up yonder like those avalanches we read about. "'Mind how you come, for it's a snaky-looking bit. "'Go on, old chap.' I'll sweep the way for you with my fur pole. Chris felt a creepy sensation at the allusion to snakes, and his eyes looked very wide open as he followed close behind his companion, whose pony picked its steps with the greatest caution, the way growing more and more encumbered with stones as they neared the slope which filled up the gap. It looks as if there had been an earthquake. What a roar there must have been when these stones came tumbling down! More likely that water had been coming down in a regular stream for hundreds and hundreds of years, till all the earth and small stones had been washed away, and made a great hollow underneath, which held up the cliff as long as it could, and then gave way all at once. "'You're talking as if a torrent ran down from the top of the cliff yonder.' "'Just so,' said Griggs. "'Then where did it go to?' said Chris. "'That's what we've got to find out.' got a hole of its own underground, perhaps, and dives down, to come up again, miles away, perhaps, and... Water it is! Where? cried Chris excitedly, and he threw up his head, his nostrils expanded, and he sniffed loudly. Griggs threw up his head, too, but he did not open his nostrils and sniff loudly. He only laughed. More ways of killing a cat than hanging it, he cried merrily. Other ways besides seeing and smelling. Hark! They had pushed their way in among the outer blocks that had bounded farthest, and their ponies had halted at the bottom of the slope, because they could go no farther without attempting to climb. "'Hark! What to? What at? I can't hear anything.' "'Yes, I can,' cried the boy excitedly. "'It's a singing, gurgling noise. Why, Griggs, you're right. There's water running down below here.' "'Well done, hearing,' cried Griggs. I'll be bound to say there's a big natural tunnel down below here. One minute. Let's try a bit more to the right. They dismounted, and Griggs led the way, brushing the rocks about with his pole as he climbed up and up, listening the while, for about sixty or seventy yards, and then he stopped short, picked up a stone about as big as his head, and pitched it away forward. There was silence for a few moments, and then, just as Chris climbed up alongside and found himself on the edge of a deep chasm going down into gloom, he heard a hollow, echoing splash. "'Sounds like water,' said Griggs coolly, "'and plenty of it.' "'Yes!' cried Chris, as he listened. "'Why, I heard that dull, rumbling sound before,' he continued, as he bent over. "'But it seemed to come from high up in the cliffs, and I thought it was the wind.' "'So did I,' said Griggs. "'I suppose the sound comes up and strikes against the rock-face, to be reflected off to where we could hear it down below.' "'Would it be?' "'To be sure, my lad. Sounds just like light in that. It strikes against anything and goes off, they say, at the same angle, and then perhaps it's only in one position that you can see it. Same here. There's one part down below where we can catch this rumbling, hissing echo.' "'But—' "'You don't call that finding water. What a horrible place. How are we to get at it?' "'Oh, easily enough,' said Griggs, coolly. "'You'll have to go down with all the bottles and fill them.' "'What? Down there?' "'Yes. 
Shouldn't you like the job? Of course not. Well, then, I must, said Griggs, laughing. No, that wouldn't be fair. Never mind, we'll argue that out afterwards, said Griggs merrily. Anyhow, we've found what we wanted. Clapping his hands to the sides of his mouth, he shouted, Water! And the rest of the party began to move towards them, delighted with the news. Any snakes about? cried the doctor as they reached the foot of the slope. Haven't seen any up here, was the reply, and the party climbed up to stand at the edge of the great pit-like place, gazing down and listening to the hollow, echoing roar of what was evidently a large body of water. Well done, cried the doctor. Why, there must be quite a tunnel below here. I think not, sir. It's only a narrow path in the side of the place, partly filled up with the big stones fallen from above, but there's evidently a great well-like place going right down ever so deep to flow underground. But how are we to get at the water now we have found it? said Wilton. I, for one, am not going down there. It ought to be some one light and active, not a big, strong man, said Griggs dryly. Perhaps Mr. Ned here wouldn't mind. Ned's face underwent such a change, becoming contracted in so absurd a manner, that Chris burst into a roar of laughter and began to stamp about. "'Oh, yes, it's very funny,' cried Ned, in an ill-used tone. "'Perhaps Chris would like the job.' "'Not I,' cried the boy. "'Nobody could go down there.' "'I'm afraid not,' said the doctor, peering down and listening to the deep, hollow roar. "'And we've had all our trouble for nothing.' "'Oh, no, sir,' said Griggs. "'The hole doesn't go straight down. We're all thirsty, and it would be a long job to go all the way back to that fall. We'd better give the animals what we have in the tubs, and I'll go down with one and fill it again.' "'No, no, we must go back.' "'Before we've explored this place, sir? Why, as likely as not, we shall find it is another gold city when we come to search. I'll go down.' "'It is too risky, man. Suppose you slipped.' "'Ah, that would be awkward, and you'd have to go miles away to look for the hole where I came out,' said Griggs, laughing. "'But I'm not going to run any risks of that sort. I've too much liking for old Griggs, as young Chris here calls me. Oh, it's easy enough, sir. I'll take down one of the barrels with some of the lariats knotted together, and one end made fast round my chest. Then if I slip you can haul me up.' "'I hardly like letting you go,' said the doctor, speaking dubiously. "'It'll be easy enough,' said the American, coolly. "'I'll do it.' They went back to where the mules were grazing, distributed the contents of one barrel amongst them, and then brought the empty vessel up to the edge of the gap, where Griggs set busily to work knotting the hide ropes they had with them tightly together, after which a bundle of dry pine boughs was lit, after being bound together with a bit of chain attached to the end of the lariats. The wood was soon blazing brightly, and it was then lowered down, to keep on touching at the side of what proved to be a sharp slope, but only to be shaken clear again and go on lighting up the sloping, cave-like place, till, as the watchers peered down, they suddenly caught sight of the reflection of the ruddy, smoky light, and upon the blazing faggot descending another few feet, after lodging once more, they could see the rushing water tearing along to pass right beneath where the observers stood. By this time the faggot was burning rapidly away, and fiery brands began to drop, to fall with a hiss into the underground torrent, some to become extinct on the moment, while others glided out of sight on the surface, giving a good idea of the extent of the place. "'There,' said Griggs coolly. "'It's all right, you see, sir. 
We'll have two ropes, one for the barrels and one for a lifeline. I shall take one of the lanterns down with me. Say, young Chris, I hope we shan't have made the water taste of burnt wood and turpentine. There's no fear of that, said the doctor. All that water will be far away before you reach the service. Are you making those knots sure? You may trust me, sir, said Griggs, coolly enough. Why, what a fuss we're making about going twenty feet down at the end of a rope. I believe I could keep down those stones easy enough without. May as well have a line round me, though, I suppose. You'll not go down without, said the doctor decisively. The preparations did not take long. Only long enough to make us more thirsty, Griggs said, and then of the two lines made ready, one was attached to the barrel carefully and well, the other made fast about the American's chest. I don't like for him to go down, said Chris aside to his companion. I don't either, replied Ned. It seems so unfair when I'm so much lighter, continued Chris excitedly, and as if I ought to go. Then, on the impulse of the moment, "'Here, father, I'll go down in the stead.' "'Shame!' cried Griggs merrily. "'Do you want to rob a poor fellow of having the first drink? "'No, thank you. This is my job, and I won't give it up to anyone. "'Now then, we're all ready, I think.' "'What about the lantern?' cried Bourne. "'I won't have it, thank you, sir,' said Griggs. "'It'll only be in the way, and I shan't want it. "'Looks dark down there, but it'll be light enough when I get below, "'for all that I've got to do.' "'But it looks horribly dark,' whispered Chris, who stood close to Griggs. "'Yes, from here, because you're looking into a dark hole. When I'm down there, I shall be able to look up here at the sunshine.' "'Light the lantern, boys, and tie it to the end of a couple of the ropes. We have plenty, have we not?' "'Oh, yes, plenty,' said Wilton. And in a very short time the light was ready in case of an emergency. "'Now then,' said Griggs, "'I dare say I shall be able to climb up again after I've done.' But if I can't, I suppose two will be strong enough to haul me up. We can have three if necessary, said Bourne excitedly, for he looked the most nervous of anyone present. Lower down the barrel then, my lads. You can do that, said Griggs. Just let it touch the water. You'll know when it does, for there will be a tug to sweep it away. But don't let it go. Haul it up a few feet then, and be ready to lower it again when I shout. Yes, was the reply in a husky whisper and directly after the barrel was following the course previously taken by the burning faggot, but without catching, its shape allowing it to pass down the steep slope till the expected jerk was given as it kissed the water when it was snatched back out of the current's reach. "'That's all right, then,' said Griggs cheerily. "'Now, look here. I shall want you to lower it again so that I can press the bunghole under water. Most likely I shall have to do this with my foot, because my hands will be wanted for holding on. You understand?' "'Oh, yes, we see.' cried Chris. "'Then down I go,' said Chris. "'Stop!' cried the doctor, and his companions drew a deep breath, which sounded as if they were greatly relieved. "'What's the matter? Not loose?' "'No, but I don't see that it's necessary for you to go down. We'll let the barrel go into the water, and it will fill itself.' "'Not it,' said Griggs. "'It will only be battered to pieces against the rocks there.' "'I don't know,' said the doctor. "'We'll try.' I don't think we ought to let you go down save as a last resource. Very well, then, cried Griggs. Suppose you try. The doctor had already joined the boys at the rope, and helped to lower the barrel down to the surface once again, to be, as it were, literally seized by the current, 
and as those above held on there was a strange, hollow, echoing noise that was banged from side to side for a minute or two, before Griggs cried, "'That'll do. If there's much more of that, all the hoops will be torn off. Hold up a bit. You see, I must go, sir.' The barrel was raised a little once more, and as soon as this was done, Griggs turned to Wilton and Bourne, who held the rope fastened about his breast. "'Ready?' he said. "'Yes,' was the reply. "'Keep it just tight enough to feel me, but not enough to hinder me as I get down from stone to stone. I don't mean to if I can help it, but be prepared for a slip.' The next minute they could see their companion descending from block to block, his form growing fainter each few seconds, during which he made no strain upon the rope, which was steadily drawn through the holder's hands, the doctor having stepped behind the others to form a third, while Chris and Ned lay down upon their chests so as to watch the brave fellow's descent. "'All easy going,' said Griggs, his voice coming up out of the gloom and sounding hollow and strange. The robe glided down, and a strange, harsh, rasping sound was made as the adventurer lowered himself from stone to stone, till he must have been halfway down, when all at once there was a violent tug at the rope, a crash as of something giving way, and directly after a deep, echoing roar as of a heavy body plunging into deep water far below. End of chapter 33